everybody josh mccabe here host of overflow beyond the music welcome to another episode of the podcast we are in season four right now we took a little break from our typical you know 405 404 episodes uh to bring you our special our one-on-one with john steingard pock nelson if you haven't seen it yet you can find it on youtube you can also uh find the video on facebook on our pages at overflow btm on facebook at overflow btm on youtube also on Instagram, Twitter, all of the social media is where you can find us and find that interview as well. And you know what? The the response has been really good. I've been really encouraged by some of the response we've gotten, and it's sparked a lot of great conversations. So huge thanks to John again for doing that, just being so vulnerable. Thank you to you, our listeners, for checking it out, sharing it, and um, just being part of the bigger conversation about faith and and how that affects artists who are struggling. So we we definitely are not going to shy away from difficult conversations we never have and we'll always be willing to sort of um you know talk about things even when they're hard and and this episode this week which I'm not going to take a lot of time to get into features Ryan Williams of River Valley Worship he is located uh in the Twin Cities his church is located in the Twin Cities Minneapolis St. Paul Minnesota and um obviously if you've been watching the news you know that uh, the killing of George Floyd um, by a police officer there uh, really sparked a a ton of conversation, protests, um, riots, uh, and all sorts of things. And um, it was really interesting talking to Ryan Williams about this. Uh, essentially, as was happening in real time. We talked the, the day after uh, one of the, you know, I guess more dark nights of protests that, that led to some riots. And, um, you know, I, we're not here to talk po- politics, not here to talk about that, but definitely here to talk about uh, what's going on in the city and how it relates to his call as a worship pastor and how it relates to his call as a songwriter and a worship leader. And it was just an incredible conversation. So this is my interview with Ryan Williams of River Valley Worship. Check it out. All right, what's up, everybody? Life of Zoom right now. Um, my first, you know, I kind of have these things where I've been doing multiple podcast episodes on a day, and um, Zoom decides that they want to update their app, and um, they've been telling me all week that I need to update the app or or else, and yet I did not heed the warnings. All right, but Zoom's all figured out, and here we are. I'm chatting with Ryan Williams of River Valley Worship. What's up, man? You know what? I'm doing great, uh, all things considering. How are you doing? Good. I, I know what you mean when you say all things considering, and we will get into some of that uh, in a minute. Um, but for now, for now, we'll try and uh, we'll try and focus on the positive things going on. And uh, you know, tell me a little bit about. I mean, we're all kind of in this this weird season of of, of life being a bit different, but. What what was your morning like today? Maybe I'll just just start. Like, what did you do today? What what did you do when you got up, and and how did you end up at your computer talking to me like this? That's a great question. You know, uh, being here in um, being here in Minneapolis in the Twin Cities, uh, yeah. I mean, we've we're all living a similar life, aren't we? And that's the uh, 
uniqueness of this season is that we're all going through a lot of the same things at mm -hmm. such a global level. But for me specifically, I mean, the, in certain ways, with the virus and everything, the state is starting to open back up. Mm -hmm. um, the weather's starting to get warm. Yeah. Uh, it's been about a few weeks, uh, maybe two weeks of me, like, driving to my office, you know? Mm -hmm. So you start to get little traces and glimpses of, like, uh, normal rhythm. So I did that. I went by the post office. Dropped off some shoes. My side hustle. No, it's not really a side hustle, but <laughs> I sell like I, I sell my old sneakers, and so I went to the post office and dropped off a box, and then I did some interviews this morning, and then I met, drove into the office, and met with the, the team of worship pastors that I lead, and it's really hot and warm and sunny mm -hmm. today, and so today. Uh, in the present, feels like a good day, yeah. um, but I'm sure we'll get to it here in a few minutes. There's a lot going on here in the Twin Cities that is um, it's knocking on the door of our hearts, telling us a lot of things, and so we're yeah. working through that. Well, yeah, I mean, we might as well just get right to it. And, and you know, one of the – I sat around talking with some other friends last night. We just had some quesadillas on their, on their deck, and we – of course, you can't help Ooh, but talk combo. about – Oh, it was great, man. Just some <laughs> just all all of the good things were, were happening. And um you can't help but talk about what you see because it's right in front of you. Um and and in many ways, um and I'll I'll be honest, I'm a Canadian who's grown up in Canada, a very different culture, uh a very yeah, sure. very different issues. We have our own issues. I don't think I think prejudice and Racism and injustice does not have borders. Um, it looks different, and so my lens. I was as we were having a conversation. I was trying to understand through my lens what I'm seeing, because there, again, you it's it's not an um, it's not being uh, you know head in the clouds or head in the sand. It's just a different right, lens. Right. So so tell me a little bit about in your words what's what's been happening in your your city in this in the Twin Cities. In Minnesota over the last week. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, the best way to, to start the, uh, the my response to your question. I mean, it's it's all raw. It's it's real, mm -hmm. and um, you know, we're a church in the Twin Cities with uh, you know lots of campuses all over the place in different neighborhoods and downtown and in the suburbs and. Uh, the vulnerable side says, I mean, this feels like a war. It feels like a war. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, to, to do the, uh, the snapshot or the recap, we had a man by the name of George Floyd who was uh, senselessly murdered uh, for no reason. Uh, wrongly because of his, the color of his skin. And uh, any underlying tension that was already there, obviously this is not the first incident, mm -hmm. but any underlying tension that was there in the Twin Cities, it broke open in those last few days. And so we've spent, many people spent their evenings uh, watching television and watching the news follow around uh, peaceful protests, mm -hmm. riots, um, looters, 
and um, you know we're a few days in and it's just an issue of ownership for the church for our church here this is our city our streets our neighborhoods and it's not even a, a question of you know can we bear one another's burdens no this is our burden this is mm-hmm. this is not something we're stepping into this is this is our this is our fight and so our church opened up coincidentally our church opened their buildings up yesterday so we had service all day um timely coincidence i'm not sure mm-hmm. <laughs> um so such a range of emotions um you know everything that's happened kind of i'll call it ground zero it, it happened you know 25 minutes from where i live wow so I, I have a bunch of kids i took my two my two middle kids my boys who are seven and five i took them down to uh lake street a couple days ago mm. to clean to pray yeah to sweep and uh it was just you know we're all going to respond and process through it differently. But for me, I couldn't get on the stage yesterday and lead worship. I couldn't do it without smelling the smoke right. and, seeing it, and seeing it for myself and talking with people and praying with people and doing my part. And by no means am I perfect. I'm not a picture of pick, uh, perfect social justice. Mm-hmm. Um, but we all have a responsibility. It's it's an ownership question, and uh, yeah, we're just starting on that journey. You know, it's it's interesting because as I've thought about um, how to even respond on this podcast to to things that I see, the things that we know, because you know, there there are a lot of um, in in anything we we live in a very <laughs> black and white world even even in the way people view life and things and 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 quickly conversations that that mean to be listening and and understanding can turn into debates and people end up taking sides and there's a side of the coin and and I just think that regardless of all of this I think we can all agree on one point is that um the church needs to be at the forefront of the issue and as and I saw a pastor post yesterday. He goes, um, "I've never seen a place." And again, we we can only speak from our experiences because I'm sure there are churches in that which that's not the case. But he says, "I've never seen a place in which every nation, tongue, creed, and race can come under and worship the same God for what He's done, and the need for the church, and the need to gather as the church body is so important right now." Does does that is that something that resonates with you? Absolutely. I mean, I was just talking to my team this morning. One of the truest, most modern expressions of discipleship for us as leaders when we're dealing with our people and teaching our people and encouraging our people. One of the biggest foundational things we are realizing is it's our job to tell our volunteers, the teams that we lead worship with on a weekend, Mm -hmm. to remind them and to show them that the church is much bigger and much greater than just the local gathering within the four walls. Right. And it is the church is not a a line item that gets slotted in along with swimming lessons and book mm-hmm. club and basketball and all the extra 
activities and amenities that we fill our lives with, church is not supposed to be slotted in as one of those activities. Right. Um, and in a, a bigger church, I think all churches probably face it on some level, but for us, being a, a bigger church, um, that's one of the foundational things that we are called to lead um, against, is that church yeah. is not a club. And so obviously we've we've been dealing with that in different ways, haven't we? Especially with not being able to gather yeah. um, in a traditional sense up until a few days ago. You know, I was talking to a friend and and he's a, a worship leader. I won't, I won't say where, but I, I texted him right after their church had some pretty um, public downfall pastoral things that came out, and he had to get up there and lead worship on Sunday. Yeah, sure. And I said, dude, how did you do that? And he goes, this is what I've been prepping for, leading hurt people into the arms of the Father. Is there is there anything about that that kind of describes what yesterday uh, on Sunday? I'm saying yesterday because it's Monday right now, but of what this past Sunday leading worship just you know five six days after the death of George Floyd and and really the morning after a lot of riots and um, peaceful protests as well. I mean, to be very specific for us, we uh, we have a song that we've that we wrote out of our community that was on one of our most recent albums and it's called world needs Jesus. Mm. And the song was, uh, it's not off of this new project, but it was off the project before. So the song is a couple years old and, uh, the song came out of a response of one of our, uh, writers watching his, his TV one day and seeing riots in the streets. But, at, but at the time it was riots um, across the globe, somewhere else on another continent. Right. And now here we are, fast forward years later, and and it's happening, you know, right here at home. Yeah. And so I knew that we'd be singing that song, and and the verses are filled with Im- imagery, like when this when our streets are are filled with chaos, when our homes are hit with when our homes are hit by heartbreak. Yeah. Um. And I just couldn't. I couldn't sing that song with authenticity um, without, like I had mentioned before, taking my kids down the day before and experiencing it myself and bringing some peace and a little bit of sweat to, to ground zero for us. And so it's just, it's a very specific example of how, we should live our lives as worship leaders on a broad sense. It does nobody any good for you as a worship leader to appear as some sort of ghost-like figure that only pops up onto the stage, leads mm-hmm. some songs, and then when the service is not happening, you kind of dissipate away into the air. No one ever sees you. No one knows you. And, oh, service time again. Poof. Yeah. Phantom worship leaders back. I mean, it makes no sense to me. We have to do life yeah. with people, whether you're, whether whatever you're, whatever you do during the week, it doesn't matter yeah. if you're on staff at the church, if you're volunteer worship leading. Um, I think that's the godly equation is doing life with people, being in the thick of it, whatever's happening. We're, we're obviously seeing it on such an extreme sense right. with violence and a virus. But even if everything was 
just peachy, just gold. You still got to be in people's lives. Yeah. So that can inform how you lead worship on a Sunday or a Saturday or whenever that is. No, and I, I like this, and I, I like that the tone of the conversation is, you know, we're not sitting here like peppy and let's talk about the new record, and because you know the, that's what I want to capture on this podcast, and not for any other yeah. gain, but having real conversation. Just because, I, I mean, our lives we're, we're busy people. We have you know schedules and things to do, and it's like I don't have a, right. a lot of time to waste having surface level stuff. And I, I want to go back to what you said about about that song you said the streets are filled with chaos and remind me of the title of that song again world needs jesus world needs jesus and it triggered something to another conversation we had we had uh callie from bethel on um sure. last year and we had her on in september and many people know about the, the mm-hmm. tragedy she went through in december but she talked in september about how her church um worships through tragedy in before she had to worship through tragedy what is it about god almost like stirring the ground and placing songs in our hearts and penning lyrics that we didn't realize we would need for another like what is it about that 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 i've that we've both seen in our own lives like maybe just to help i don't know i just i want to unpack that together it's not really a, a defined question yeah, other yeah. than a conversation starter yeah i think uh I have this real um, clear conviction or belief about just kind of the, the timeline of God and how he orchestrates things. And right. Proverbs tells us that the steps of a good man or a good woman are ordered by the Lord. And so he's, you know, lack of a better phrase, he's in it. Yeah. He's involved. You know, this whole idea of writing songs uh, at a certain period of time. I mean, I've seen it time and time and time again where all of a sudden the purpose of a song comes to new light. It's like time release. It's like a time release medication that it's injected into your life at the exact time that you needed it. And, and I I think that just comes from the sovereignty and the provision of who God is. I mean, worship to me, worship, uh, people are always asking like, what's the successful uh, worship experience or what's the what's the real definition of worship or, or what's the model and what's the template to write yeah, yeah, the worship yeah. song that will get the get every exactly. hand in the place up exactly what's the formula and uh i'm just like everyone else who's kind of trying to wade through well, what yeah what is that what is the solution or what's the answer and the thing that's really bringing me back the most in this season is i believe worship is really two things uh and this extends to congregational worship when you're leading a group of people. We're trying to help people remember and anticipate. We're trying mm-hmm. to get them to remember the track record of God, wow, his yeah, track record of faith of his faithfulness, what he has done in the past, how he has come through in the past. Mm-hmm. And if you get people to remember, to recall, that propels them to anticipate the hope, the life. Uh, the plan that's ahead of them for their future. Um, And those things are so closely tied together. So, you know, congregational worship, the cyclical nature of of coming back together every week, it's because we're constantly realigning and rehearsing and recalling who God is so, so that that can continually push us into our future. 
it's interesting to me um, because there's there's this this worship pastor and and just kind of from what I've seen and being able to watch from a distance and and you know Instagram and listening to the record and reading about you guys and there's these hats you have to wear like it's like you it's it's like you are psalmist and you're trying to mm. to write write songs to capture what God is doing in the church and and write and write um, words both to reflect what he's doing and prophetically what you're asking him and believing he's going to do. And that's the writer side. And then there's the musical side in which you have to play your guitar and sing your songs and sing the songs and whatever songs you sing and sing them in key and on tune and in tune and, and, and yeah. put your capo in the right spot and yeah. make sure that your gear is in shape. And then there's the pastoral side in which you have to lead people through broken marriages, through failures to over not failures to overcome addiction but maybe you know returning to an addiction or 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 private yeah. and public issues of sin like how how do you find it does it feel sometimes like a burden like going like there's so many offices i have to carry in the role of worship pastor songwriter artist and friend you know like yeah man that's a that's I've been doing a lot of great interviews lately. That's really, and that's a really, really great question. Um, it really resonates with me. I'll just say that. And because it does, I'll give you the honest answer. Yeah, mm. it does. It does feel like that. Um, it does feel like that. It feels like a burden sometimes. But that word burden, it, it does take me to this principle that I try to live my life by and I try to lead my team by. It's, we do have a choice when it comes to that word burden. We have the ch yeah. a choice to carry carry one or the other. There's two types of burdens in this life. Yep. Yeah, I know where you're going with this. I like this. <laughs> it's the the burden of of outcome, you know? Mm -hmm. And the burden of outcome is uh, it it would be like me I'm 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 sitting talking to you with my laptop and my laptop's on a desk, you know? Mm -hmm. And the burden of outcome is like me having to carry my desk around with me all day. Mm. So I have to figure out how to put my desk in my car. Uh, I have to figure out how to carry my desk through the grocery store, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. That's a really, really impossible task. But the burden that I was meant to carry and that you were meant to carry is the burden of obedience, mm -hmm. you know, which is, you know, like this, you know, you can see this. I don't know if our listeners will be able to see it, but this burden is like a little pen yeah. that I'm holding in my hand easy for me to take along with me and um, that's the line that you got to draw is i can't strive mm -hmm. to try to fulfill all of these different responsibilities and hats that i wear all the time that's where we as believers believe in the power of the holy spirit to empower us to do what we're called to do we're graced to do these different things in different seasons in different ways and the most lack of a better term I can think of is we just need to relax and let God do his part. Um, that was yeah. a great question. Well, it's funny. I, I've responded this way too in, in pastoral seasons. And there, there are seasons in which, you know, because the, the English language is funny because burden can be a negative thing, yeah. but it can also be like when you shift the way you view it. You know, I've always felt this way that, that burdens – like I, you must be carrying so much burden right now. You must be carrying so much on you. Yeah. I'm going, 
No, not really. I didn't really carry it for all that long, maybe like five seconds yeah. before I handed yeah, it off yeah, yeah. to like someone who's much bigger than me. And that's the Lord. Really and going like, I'm not going to carry that. I don't, I don't need to carry that. That's not my thing to carry. And, really and I think that there's, there's, there's things about team. There's things about people and, and doing things in community that allow us to not carry more than we should. And um, one of the best ways we can carry each other's burdens is in songwriting. When you can sit down and want to pen something and not be responsible for trying to be the only one who's trying to get up and into that realm of heaven and pull something down. And um, I love looking at co-writes. I love looking at different worship leaders from different tribes and different nations and yeah. expressions coming together. And one of the ones I noticed right on on the new record, uh, Alters, was uh, Alexander Pappas from Hillsong Young and Free. And uh, I've seen him show up on a few on a few co-writes lately. But just tell me a little bit about, um, you know, how he kind of how that song got connected with you guys and and a little bit about that journey and, and even what you think about him as a writer and worship leader. Absolutely. Um, if Alex ever hears this, hey, Alex, good to see you again <laughs> uh, through the Internet. Um, our producer for these last uh, two projects is a guy named Michael Fatkin, who is uh, his home church is Hillsong. And uh, like a lot of other people, we've, we've looked to them on many different levels as an example yeah. and uh, just drawn a lot, of, uh, a lot of great things from them over the years. And so it's a long story short how we got connected with Mike. Right. Um, but he's a great friend and has been a great part of our community in uh, producing these albums. And so we were out. He lives in California now. We were out with him doing multiple kind of weeks mm -hmm. um, through the last year, kind of what we call for us, our little like writing camps, yeah. like very s scheduled intentional time of writing these songs and the logistics of it were Alex was here in the States for an extended period of time, kind of unexpectedly. And he's hanging out um, kind of living in California for, for a couple months and our schedules just worked out. We had kind of had a little relationship with him before. Mm -hmm. so he was with us for three or four days and wrote uh, probably like six or seven songs together. And I think two or three made it on the most recent project. Awesome, yeah. And man, he, I mean, he's just a craftsman hmm. um, as far as the technical side goes. Uh, just a huge library of melody. And, you know, melody, if you think about a melodic phrase, it's all like shapes, melodic shapes. And he's just a, uh, like a, a deep index of melodic shapes. Yeah. And uh, what was cool about it after the three or four days, realizing that, you know, it was a real authentic connection that we had with him. And he really wholeheartedly believed in the theme of what we were trying to do for this project. He caught the vision for it. And so it really felt like extended family. I mean, mm. he's been a part of some really, really great, huge songs for the global church. And so yeah. it was a kind of a treasure, a treasure for us to spend time with him for the week and it be an authentic connection. What I, I find, you know, maybe just take people kind of behind the scenes for those who don't know, you got a guy from Hillsong and you got River Valley and, and you know, you don't just go in the room and Alex goes i'm i'm gonna write you guys like 
let's just write let's write a, a banger. Like there's there's a lot of conversation that happens that writers when they are not in entrenched in the week to week of your community, they want to understand what your community is about, what God's doing in your church. Like they'll ask about what sermons here. Like tell me a little bit about about how you can pull together, you know, people from Hillsong and it's and create something that is still authentically River Valley through and through. Yeah, I think on the on the musical side, you find common ground with influences. Yeah. Um, and even down to collecting a bunch of reference references, maybe that's songs or mm. um, even down specific like dr- like you can get really into the weeds here of like drum tones or snare sounds. And so we sat down for about an hour before we started writing anything and like just cycled through songs, the stuff that we like. And for, for the connection with Alex, that was a real easy connection. A lot of the same influences, mm-hmm. a lot of the same eclectic taste. And depending on who, the, who that writer is, who that extended family person is, maybe it takes you a long time maybe to find that common ground. But for Alex, we all listen to the same stuff, um, same music. And so it was a real, real effortless uh, connection. We kind of had this phrase in the beginning of the writing process uh, to kind of help give us some focus when it came to the creative side of, of writing. And it, we would say it all out. It was called, we'd say, crash the plane. We want, we're trying to crash the plane. Hmm. Meaning, if you're a commercial airline pilot, which I'm not, so I'm not going <laughs> to speak too much into it. Yeah. But if you're, I imagine if you're a commercial airline pilot, your goal is to, to fly the 200 people on your plane, fly them from point A to point B. You want them to have a safe, uneventful, comfortable ride right. from Minneapolis to Nashville. Nothing breathtaking happened. Nothing amazing happened. That's kind of the point. You want it to be safe, predictable getting from one spot to the next. Yeah. And uh, we just didn't want to do that off the bat with our songwriting. We wanted to be like a cool trick fighter pilot. Hmm. Trying to do the cool, not just cool, maybe that's the wrong word, thrilling, amazing, death-defying tricks, barrel roll, 360, Take some turns you didn't see coming. Exactly. And to try to literally, and that, there's a lot of risk involved there. That's mm-hmm. trying things like that can get you killed uh, as a pilot, I would imagine. And that's kind of wh- what we wanted to, that's the mentality we wanted to have to be able to hit some certain, some, some of these creative uh, boundaries that we wanted to hit. Yeah. We had to have that mentality to get there and then maybe pull back as we edit through the process. Um, but to take some risk creatively, that's the kind of mentality that we had. And so one of the songs that made on the album, uh, All of Me, which is a song that we wrote with, with Alex, was one of those conversations where he said, let's try to crash the plane. Yeah. And that vibe came out. I loved, um, I mean, I loved the, the sounds of how, how clean the album sounds, but yet how engagingly in the room I could feel as I was listening to it. Like, I think, I think that's really, I mean, I, I, some, some conversations we talk all family, we talk all history, we talk, you know, all of someone's journey. And, and I do love when we get to talk about the production of something because 
yeah, there's there's probably a lot of a lot of work in crafting a worship album that that doesn't feel like you're disconnected from it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And and I I didn't feel that at all when I was listening to Alters. I felt I felt like oh I I can see this. Or I'm like oh man okay yeah like I and that's not that's not always common when you listen to a lot of sure, sure. um I say local church in in the in the sense of you know. Hillsong is still considered local church when they put out an album. There's yeah. a lot of songs that will come out on records that I go, I I don't think I could ever see that translating here. Or sure. like I don't know how that even translates there or whatever. Yeah, what yeah, yeah. tell me a little bit about what you think about, you know, what what kind of things go through your head when you are considering what you're writing or what you're leading from other expressions of worship in your church and going, you know, how do I make this uniquely River Valley? And and describe what some of that that worship musical culture is like there. Yeah, so the culture to answer your question, the culture of River Valley is uh, if someone were to come to church on a Sunday and, and stand among the the people that attend every week, or I think they would ex- experience something that's really engaging. Yeah, um, something that's very inclusive. Hmm. Um, and not in a weird way, we, we place the expectation on people to engage in what's happening. Yeah. Um, we don't, as far as the worship leaders at all the different campuses, we don't expect them just to facilitate the music, meaning like just right. make sure the band sounds good. Yeah. There's an engagement, uh, a relationship, a connection that happens both ways. I, I feel like we're a church that has equal parts like, strategy and planning and service order Mm -hmm. we have all of that and believe in all of that Uh, but at the same time we have the anticipation or the expectation that in the moment something could go a different way yeah and we're not gonna we're not gonna freak out about if something goes over time or if it wasn't the same that service as it was the next service so i like that about our our culture that we lean into both sides of that. That's something that certainly seems to be changing though. Like, because I, again, maybe I'm going to lose listeners on this, but there was like this revolution almost like maybe six, seven years ago. That's like, everyone needs to be doing multi-site. Everyone needs to be doing multi-streaming. Everyone needs to be streaming this and needs to be exactly the same. And don't you dare sing a second chorus a second time, or you will like you, you will drive the production people nuts. And, it almost became, and as I'd have conversations with pastors, it's like, oh, oh, you only have five cameras. Well, we have 10 and 4K. Yeah. And we have yeah. a, it's like, it almost yeah. became this idol. And and I, I yeah. sense that the church movement is is going, no, it's a tool. It's not our, it's not our everything. And that seems to be encouraging. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes me think of the, without this feeling like a plug or anything for the for the record. It does just make me think about the real strong thread of the album. Yeah. It's just phrase for us. It's altars over stages, you know. Yeah. And wow. uh, I got a, a, a handwritten letter from a missionary who's a friend of our church. Uh, we're kind of months into making this album, and he – he wrote me this handwritten letter, which I, I never received handwritten letters in the first place ever. So it was mm-hmm. special before I even read it. But it was like this prophetic encouragement to me and to the church and to the team. And he said, Ryan, you have to remember that every time you 
step on a platform to lead worship, you're not standing on a stage, you're standing on an altar. And it just, it automatically just realigned and shifted my mindset when it comes to doing what we do week in and week out. An altar is for sacrifice. A stage is for performance. Um, I think it's easy to see that who, who gets the glory when you, when you stand on a stage. I think that attracts glory to yourself. When you stand on an altar, it's really quite opposite of that. And so it's become our mantra for our team and definitely for this project. And, you know, the whole, you know, high production church or and the swing the pendulum the other way to a house church. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't need to, um, I don't need to go through the positives or the negatives of either of those. I just think things just have to have the right place and the right order yeah. in the economy and what God's trying to do. And you can have 4k cameras and want to want things to look excellent and mm-hmm. nothing can be wrong with the heart for sure. Um, or those things can become quite the distraction and quite the uh, yeah. self-serving um, mechanism for standing in the way of what you're really trying to do. And so that's all where you start. It's all where you start. If the goal is to start at the altar and, and everything else, you know, is a reflection, like reflects that rather than, you know, the other approach, I think, I think, and I think that's captured in this record too. Again, this is probably the most I've talked about a record in specific <laughs> podcast before and just taking it right back to that. But it's like, it's, it's so important to the conversation that the fact that, that you're, you guys are trying to capture that, that feeling on a record, I think is something that the church uh, is, is sort of catching now in this season of going, man, we just want people to come and have a holy moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll only get that holy moment if, if you know, our worship leader and our teams go behind go behind the curtain, and and just see the face of God. Like that's that's how we'll lead people better. Hundred percent. I mean, we had a very marking moment without overhyping it or over spiritualizing it. Our very first trip to California to do the very first week of writing for this project. We had no theme. We had no idea what was ahead of us. And we gathered in a hotel room before we drove over to the studio. And our expectation was just to pray, mm-hmm. simple prayer, and then move on. Yeah. And it was the closest thing I've ever had to an upper room type experience without hyping it. I mean, we just, we were broken over. We didn't know what we were being broken over. We didn't right. know what was ahead of us. But it was, a God, it was God aligning that team for the coming project, the coming theme of yeah. altars over stages, which we didn't have yet. And uh, through all the, I would say through all the crap that happened, which crap happens in these processes of making mm-hmm. these albums and all the stuff that it costs you, we would consistently go back to that prayer in the beginning of the project to uh, keep us focused. Tell me about your favorite moment uh on the record and sometimes it's a song sometimes it's just even a musical moment that just felt like you weren't saying anything but your your the strings were saying something that or the the drums were saying something that you couldn't articulate in words like tell me about a moment in the record that's special for you that's a really cool question i think i think probably the the 
one of the most special moments from that night and, and that got recorded was we uh, we played two songs uh, from this kind of B stage that was off. Um, B altar, sorry. Yeah, off the altar. <laughs> deeper into, yeah, the B altar. There you go. That was off kind of in the middle of the, the auditorium. And uh, if you check out our YouTube, you'll see uh, those two songs where where it's this kind of a different setup. And those two songs, Let It Be Jesus and Sounds Like Grace, both of those uh, were recorded near the end of the night because we mm. had to make the switch over and all that stuff. And I just remember we had played kind of our last song on the main uh, platform. And the only way that I could get over to the next B stage um, was like this little video moment that happened in the dark. And I had to kind of wade myself, wade my way through the people and uh, this huge crowd of people. And uh, I remember getting up to that spot and sitting down at the piano and we started playing uh, Let It Be Jesus. Mm. And just the, the new view that I had, pretty much the whole night was over. And then I had this new view of just the body of Christ. And it was a sea of faces everywhere I could look around mm. me. And it just was like a very secret, a very small thought in my own head of, we just can never take this for granted. Yeah. Uh, and especially now here we sit where we've all been barred from being, being together and being in big groups and, and feeling and experiencing the power of getting together. I remember thinking that night, wow, I, I feel like the most blessed guy on the planet because mm -hmm. here we are in the body of Christ and this is about, all about us meeting with God. And so that was my moment. That's powerful, man. And if you were to, to let someone, if you were to let somebody who's not heard the record hear a moment that you feel like encapsulates the record, would, would Let It Be Jesus be a good moment for them to hear? I think so, yeah. Or, or the other song, Sounds Like Grace, from that B stage kind of section of the, the project, I think that would be... Yeah. All right. Let it be well, Jesus so those, yeah. I'll break I'll break the rules. I'll play a little bit of both of them as we close <laughs> off this in, this interview. Um but I want to ask you just one one last thing just again and go back to what we're we're all dealing with uh and and watching happen before I as we listen to this and you know I realize that podcasts don't you know are not necessarily time sensitive and you may listen to this a year from now and and wonder what we're referring to and then you have to look at the calendar yeah. and realize what was happening at the time but as as we look at the tensions that we're seeing before our eyes, both in the Twin Cities in Minnesota as a result of the death of George Floyd, um, what's something that, and this is for me too, being a Canadian and being an outsider, what is something that you wish people could understand about what's happening specifically in your city that that other people might look and go, no, but you don't understand? that you don't understand what's been happening and you don't understand the history. You don't understand um, sort of some of the background of it. What is something you wish people could understand? That's a great question. I would say the biggest thing is to keep it authentic, um, but to, to make it hopeful, to keep it hopeful. Mm. People are afraid, right? People are fearful. I have family members who will go to our church and who are, who live in our, these different communities, 
who for the last few nights I have a, a brother-in-law who has slept on the couch in the front living room of his house with a gun, mm. with his gun at his side. Um, and so that's the most authentic picture of stuff is really happening in and close to our homes and our families and our kids. And we're inundated with so much screen content in our lives. Yeah. So much content, so many video clips on our phones and our TVs. That you, you can start to get lulled to sleep even after something like this, the horrific death of George Floyd and the aftermath of that. We're, mm. you know, I don't know, we're five days in, six days in. Yeah. And we're starting to see the same things over and over again. And already you can start getting lulled to sleep. Mm. But what I think people myself included, need to be reminded of that this is real. These are real communities and real families and real homes and real businesses yeah. that are being torn apart. And the huge umbrella of all everything that's wrong with what's going on, mm -hmm. it's all under the umbrella of we just need Jesus. It's a yeah. sin issue. It's a depravity issue. Our hearts are broken. Our world is broken. Yeah. Our kids, our families are broken. And the only answer is Jesus. Well, thanks for taking time, and, and uh, I want to just end right there and just know that, um, Ryan, we are praying for your city. We're praying for your church, and, um, you know, as, as a Canadian who's living in America right now, I'm praying for this nation more than I ever have, and uh, I'm praying for our leaders and praying for wisdom, praying for grace, praying for understanding, and praying that the enemy would stop taking a foothold in dividing us um, because Jesus came to unite us, and yeah. so... I'm tired. I'm tired of seeing the enemy get any sort of foothold. But um, I think a great response is, is to worship. So here's "Let It Be Jesus" from the new record "Altars" by River Valley Worship. Check it out. All right, there you have it. There is my conversation with Ryan Williams of River Valley Worship. You can check out their new record, Altars. It's available everywhere now. Make sure you get it. You'll really love it. We played a couple clips there. Sounds like grace and let it be Jesus. Just an incredible, incredible album. Really, really enjoying it. Make sure that you follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at OverflowBTM is where to find us. If you have not yet, please hit that subscribe button on wherever you're listening to this podcast, whether it be Spotify, Apple Music, Google, uh, YouTube, wherever, hit that little subscribe button. It really helps us out, and you'll get to find out when we have new content available. But that's all for this episode of Overflow Beyond the Music Season 4, episode number 6. My name is Josh McCabe. We'll see you again next time. <laughs> <laughs>